Does anyone have any good jokes or anything to say as the warm-up right here? Why are y'all looking at me? Because you typically say oh, something. Man, you're, the fucking, jo- you're, you're a you, joke man, right? You fucking bust me up every time you're you You're the gut bust. I, I, you're like a Dairy Queen gut buster. Bust oh, some man. guts, dude. Did you hear you in our Hollow Man episode? So funny. Dude, dude, that was so funny what you said. I I wasn't here. Dude, go listen. You were here. You uh, you showed up in that dude, We challenged you to not say an entire word the entire episode, and you did it. It was fucking nuts. Yeah. I was, I'm good. I was busting my gut. Just, dude, we were gut busting. Paul Damon, you cracked me the fuck up, dude. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we only find them when they're dead. <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. I crazy. get it. <laughs> Man, this is going to be a good episode. It's so funny, dude. It's so funny, bro. Let's start the show. <laughs> Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Prince. Hey guys, welcome back to Who Watches the Watchers. My name is Ian. This is Paul Damien. This is Kenny. Uh, this week we're talking about We Only Find Them When They're Dead, Issues 1 through 10, by Al Ewing and Simone DeMeo. Um, Pass the DeMeo. You know? <clears throat> hey, well, is it DeMeo? The... Is that how you pronounce it? I would think it's DeMeo. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have a correction for you. No, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it, you know, this book starts, we introduce a lot of characters, they're seemingly French, and mm. so- for whatever reason, I get this mixed up a fuck ton. But I was just like, oh, maybe it's because the artist is French. He's mm-hmm. Italian. He's Italian. And so just through the collaboration, they just use maybe in a variety of like more European. Well, because then even on top of that, names. Al Ewing's from Britain. No. So it's just like, well, let's do the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't think they give a fuck. Uh, you know, that might that might factor into <laughs> I it I think too. they're space people. <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, in the future... Everybody's French. Oh, maybe. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Um, uh, That's how everybody becomes cherry. French with the wee wees. <laughs> yeah. Chakra boo. I'm just kidding. Yeah, this is um, a book that I had been kind of pushing for for yes. a little while now. Ever since you kind of even read the title off to me, I was intrigued. But just seeing the uh, the art, you know, mm-hmm. Simone's art, uh, I was just so intrigued to get into this because you know, reading uh, Invincible or Indestructible or whatever Hulk we read, which one is it? <laughs> Immortal, <laughs> Unstoppable, Irreversible. That Hulk. one Hulk, Irreversible, the, the Irredeemable Hulk. Um, <laughs> You know, we just saw the strength of Al Ewing's writing and the way he yeah. can really, you know, take the, a character and break down their, like, uh, internal struggles mm-hmm. that that are kind of going on. And so I was excited to see how that would translate into a book that I knew probably had some grand cosmic scale to it. And yeah. I think it paid off to very much that, you know. So yeah, I was we, excited. we did Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing. Um, we also did a Loki book by Al Ewing. That's right. It was Agents? Mm. Agent of Asgard. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Which that one was pretty cool because the guy knows his shit. Mm-hmm. Like no matter where you throw him in, he knows, or at least he does the right research to figure mm-hmm. out his shit. Because like there was like oodles of fucking Asgardian lore or like Viking lore in that comic, yeah. and then Immortal Hulk is like you know psychological shit out the wahoo, and then this fucking thing is like, damn, this guy just creates these huge things no matter. The genre he's put mm-hmm. in, because mm-hmm. we see, we literally see, we see like historical, godly type. What would that be? Myth, yeah, mythological mm-hmm. shit. We see him do psychological horror, and now we're watching him do fucking crazy political sci-fi shit. Yeah, yeah, like crazy political cosmic <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely right. Because I was very blown away by how heavily political this book actually ended up being. You know, yeah. but it works <clears throat> as an incredible driving force to the story they wanted to tell. You yeah. know, it's interesting. Oh, you know what? You know why they're probably French? Why? Is because um, they think of French as revolutionists. Oh, that's you know, a cool idea. 
Well, because like the French Revolution and stuff. So like I've heard of it. In mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's like in like, like the 1950s or something. Uh, a lot of times, people in like uh, Euro Asian cu- cultures, they when they tell stories and stuff, or like have it happens in animes a lot. Mm. The people who are revolutionists are usually the French. That's a good call, you know? Paul Damien. Damn, yeah. That's so, just like a trope I've noticed. Those dang French can't fall in line. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't saying that. <laughs> but yes, we're we're introduced to George George Malik, mm-hmm. who is kind of our focal point, if not mm-hmm. our protagonist, especially for the first half of these ten issues. Um, and we see that he is a dedicated man, mm-hmm. and not necessarily to the work, but to a belief. Mm-hmm. Um, let me set up the premise real quick of this. Basically, this takes place in the kind of distant future, like hundreds of years from now. Um, and there's these mining ships that go out and they mine giant dead gods out in the vast space. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the, the title comes from. Mm-hmm. We only find them when they're dead. We've only ever seen these gods when they're dead. Um, and so this whole theme is that they're out here mining these huge gods, and, and we get all kinds of resources from them. Stuff that has helped like advance our technology and right. stuff like their. I don't. I think it's like their bone marrow is like jet fuel and shit. You yeah. know, it's like what we they kind of talk. And then about, their yeah. armor is mm-hmm. used to turn into like weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, weapons and just advanced technology. Yeah, and it's a fucking awesome idea. Mm-hmm. But caked underneath it is the idea that George wants to see one of these gods alive. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, they call them escorts, mm-hmm. but there's basically a lawful they're system. Like a, they're like enforcers, political yes. enforcers is kind of yeah. how, when I was trying to describe the book to somebody, I was like, it's like the government kind of controls the entire operation. Yeah. And so they have enforcers there to make sure that every piece gets brought back and ca- accounted for appropriately. They don't have yeah. people smuggling mm-hmm. out like the heart or the eyeball or something, you know? Yeah. So they have like warships out there. They'll basically blow you up if you're going to fucking break and the rules. They're basically starfighters. They're mm-hmm. fucking yeah. dope. They're much mm-hmm. faster and, and more nimble than the freighters um, or even the, because what do they call them? They call them autopsy ships, Yeah, right? the autopsy right. ships because it's like they're cutting up a giant body. I yeah. really liked that whole premise that they exactly, it's a giant plasma scalpel mm. that they have at the bottom of the ship that allows them to cut chunks of meat out of, you know? <laughs> and then the idea eyes, that yeah. every ship has a coroner mm-hmm. on yeah. board <laughs> for the purpose of like identifying material and like separating it probably and stuff do you like think that. all of them in unison are like body dead at you know <laughs> 12,000 or yeah. whatever like, discovered dead at yeah. this time yeah. yeah they all have to Maybe. pronounce the god dead <laughs> anyway yeah and so we're introduced to his team on the vihan 2 mm-hmm. um and yeah there's they they don't typically get more than four crew members per mm-hmm. one i of think that's most we ever that's see what it seems yeah. like yeah probably to to limit like the the variability of them doing something crazy yeah, and the yeah. resources I mean? needed to survive yeah, you know exactly. i think it was probably beneficial on both <gasps> sides of things you know yeah. to keep a nice tight crew in space you know and what what they also paint in this in these issues is that sometimes it's hard being this crew you would think if you're out there cutting up gods and shit you'd be making a good amount of money yeah. mm-hmm. but apparently the taxing that these enforcers have over all of this shit is enough to have some of these people want to smuggle and make more money just to keep the crew going. You and know it's I mean? become right, such exactly. a, a job, or, you know, what am I trying to say? Like a thing that like everyone's fighting for it now. Oh, There's yeah. more ships than there is resources to mine. So the competition it, yeah. is like heavy. Yeah, yeah. It's oversaturated with autopsy ships at this point mm-hmm. because it's becoming the new thing to do to yeah. make that money. But it's, it's like the gold rush or anything where when it became the new way to make that big buck everybody rushed right. to it yeah. and it fucked it up you know i've heard of it but uh, <laughs> i think yeah it's like I, the 1950s or something i also think it's it's like um like there was probably a point where there was when they first discovered a god's body there was probably a bunch of them you know oh yeah and you know, now they're coming like one buffalo, at a time you, you know what i mean no i haven't heard of buffalo <laughs> anyway go on no yeah yeah now they're anxiously waiting for the next god to fall out of the expanse Mm -hmm. because they make it seem like there's a limit to space that they're allowed to travel um or it's probably like the edge of their known universe Mm -hmm. kind of thing that's a good call too 
All right. I want to ask you guys, did you like this book? Anyone can answer. Oh, I just thought he was going to go first. You mm. did not like this book? No, I'm just kidding. No. no. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, I, I already told you guys I didn't finish it. Yeah, you were part um, way through the second volume, volume two. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was uh, at chapter eight, halfway through chapter eight. Okay. I mean, you were um, mostly through. Yeah, I was mostly through, but it was getting even better. It was yeah. really good. I was really enjoying it. The uh, artwork did kind of throw me off. The and artwork. Some of the, it, it, it made reading it a little difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With some of the text along with it. But um, it was fucking beautiful. Yeah. I love how vibrant it is. The artwork. Like neon. Yes. The artwork is phenomenal. But it does lead to difficulty of understanding mm-hmm. what is being portrayed sometimes. Absolutely. No, um, I, and I, I agree with that. And I, what I'll also say is that I really enjoyed volume one a lot mm-hmm. for what it was. And then once I got into volume two, I was just surprised by what the premise of it was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't exactly what I guess I thought the story was going to go into. So I did right. enjoy it for what for what it was, but it was kind of not where I wanted the next part of the mm. tale to maybe go you know there yeah. was just it just got it like doubled down on the political you know espionage, and, yeah, and espionage and stuff yeah into the story and so i was just very surprised that that was the story that al ewing wanted to tell in this world of like giant space dead gods you know he's like yeah. i want to talk about what the people are doing you yeah. know <laughs> so <laughs> i i have to imagine the way that volume or book two ends mm-hmm. book three is going to be another even different thing because it seems like each of them are blocks of different time periods but also different ideas of what the struggle is at mm-hmm. that moment. You know what I mean? What were you going to say? I was going to say, at it, times it felt like it was two completely different stories. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. kind of smashed <clears throat> together. For sure. Um, but I, uh, obviously I didn't finish volume two, but I feel like it's going to return to Malik at some point. I agree. I think book three will be a mix of, the far-flung future, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also maybe what Malik was doing in. Is there more of this the out than what we've read right now? No, this is this is where we it's are at right complete now. at this point. We okay. are caught up. Um, let's talk about the Vihan too and its mm-hmm. crew members. We have George Malik, who is the captain. The captain. He doesn't. He is. He is portrayed as the protagonist, but mm-hmm. by the end of book one, we understand he is only a functional piece of the story, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Because I was like, what is this guy going to learn? What is Because Al Ewing is a master at storytelling, I think. And I think he understands that characters have to have certain arcs. But unfortunately, Georges, here in this first book, he is only one note throughout the whole thing. Which is, we got to find a live one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit, especially where the twists and turns came from book one. Because we're introduced to the rest of his crew. There's Jason and Ella Hauer, which mm-hmm. are brother and sister. And then there's Alice Worth, who is a longtime family friend of the Maliks. Um, and then the two Howard Hauer kids, mm-hmm. or young adults, Jason is in a semi-secretive relationship with, with George. Mm-hmm. Which is already interesting. Because Ella doesn't truly trust George. Mm-hmm. And Jason is like... I, I, I'm all on board, you know? Yeah. And, and he's all on board. <laughs> <laughs> and then Alice is just like, I know George and I, I know he wouldn't steer me wrong. Yeah. We, you know? We've known each other our entire lives, you know? Yeah. And for me, George is meant to be like the catalyst for everything. And the yeah. fact that he has been in this world, you know, we, I think he says he was, what, 12 the first time he ever saw mm-hmm. one of these gods. Mm-hmm. And this is meant to be like 30 years post that. So I feel like once... It, seeing these things your entire life, you know, there would be people who would grow to worship them and, you know, and believe that, like, what we were doing to them was probably impure and unjust. And, you know, they're like, they're finding the dead ones probably meant that we were meant to find the live Mm -hmm. ones. Like, I have to believe people would come up with those kinds of theories a lot sooner than 30 years into cutting them up, you know? Well, I Um, mean, they do say at one point, like, oh, this is just like the beginning Yes, you know, in book two, where yeah. there's uh, they have worshippers. Yeah, you know, so I and mean, it there it was probably like something that was crushed, stomped out at the very beginning. I think you know? it was and just so there's like dissidents. Yeah, I think it's when they realized how quickly they could advance society and technology with, it, yeah. with the resources that they're like, 
Oh no, it's just like when we ate cows. Yeah, that's just part of. It's life. just like mining a giant moon or yeah. something, mm-hmm. you know. But there are still like whispers of the religion, basically. Yeah, for sure. Of worshippers. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about Paula Richter. Who is one of our enforcers? Man, I thought she was pretty cool. I <laughs> loved Badass. her, and as as we kept growing with her and understanding her past, I was very dissatisfied with the outcome of yeah. a lot of these characters yeah. by the end of this book. That's true. <laughs> so, you did you not totally love this book yourself? We I didn't have, really get your answer. I guess I have but. a love hate with this mm-hmm. book, Same. and I think it's because. I we didn't know what we were getting into, mm-hmm. and I'm glad for that. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I'm glad this book surprised me. I'm glad mm-hmm. it wasn't exactly what I thought I was delving into, and wasn't even close to it realistically. That's what I think is fun about this. It keeps it fresh for us in a way yeah. that, like, even though I thought I knew what we were going to be reading, this was something very, very different. It had much more to do with once again the human reaction to giant cosmic things yeah. much more than the actual giant cosmic things themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, and I believe that, like, shit, if I did the mind giant space gods for 30 years, I'd be like, I want to fucking see a live one. Like, <laughs> like, God, we only find them when they're dead. Yeah, I have, like, maybe 10 more years of life if I'm lucky, and I want to go fucking see one that's fucking yeah. breathing. I mean, in space, you might even have less than that, you exactly. know? That's what I said, if he's lucky, you know? Yeah. Um, Paula Richter. Paula fucking Richter. Dude, has, just, just grudge match of the century. Yeah, and it's for like it's, two like and a George. half issues. Mm-hmm. He he. She and George are just like the fucking like. There's a huge grudge match. There's a is that what you just said? Mm-hmm. There's a huge like rift yeah. in their mm-hmm. like relationship. Well, and I think and, it's so funny is it's really just her being like, I fucking hate you, and yeah. you being like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh let's talk about her because yeah she's in one of these badass jet fighters mm-hmm. she looks dope she's every time yeah escort. which not an escort right, right. but she's esc- she's in escort one and yeah. then later she does the she does lee's like sign on or whatever in mm-hmm. escort three like secretly um but yeah that that's another thing this book is all about like conspiracy and um surveillance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where like you're constantly political surveillance it's, it's like yeah. uh what's that what's that book 1984 mm-hmm. yeah big yeah, brother kind of shit yeah for sure um but she is obviously listening to the vihan too mm-hmm. and like yeah, what she, they're up to constantly yeah she hears him she probably hears him constantly saying like hey this ship has ears yeah <laughs> Just watch yeah. what you say, guys. Yeah. And she's probably like, oh, I wonder why he's trying to hide that, hide yeah. something from us, you know? You know, this crew upon the Vihan too, Jason, Ella, so on and so forth, they've been with the ship for more than five years at mm-hmm. this point. And mm-hmm. still he has to remind them. Like, don't say shit like that out loud. Ears yeah. are listening. But not only that, Jason finally asks like, hey, what's what's this between you and Richter? What the fuck is going on? And I know it's for the convenience of the the reader, reader but it's still just like huh you, you guys never talked about this in bed or yeah. anything like well, post-coil or whatever i can i can suspend disbelief on these because like i can imagine malik wanted to gain wanted gain all trust. of them to trust him and he wanted That's to fair. gain their trust so that way he could know if he could take them on this mission before telling them yeah i can imagine it was like Maybe they've done three missions until they actually do. Oh, you know what I mean? That's a good call. like, like they did three missions after after him telling them, and he, then they were like, "Okay, now's the time." Yeah, now's you the know? time that we're gonna break free. Because yeah. especially because fucking Richter's call sign wasn't yeah. on the escort list. Perfect. Exactly. Timing. Do you guys think that Malik is a a master manipulator, or do you think he's a fuck up? I think he's a fuck up. I think he's. He wants uh, to be a manipulator. I think he's a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah, I don't. Th- I wouldn't say he's a master manipulator, because obviously he failed. Yeah, he's like someone but, who's tried yeah. to play the game and failed. You know what I mean? That's, Realistically, that's like he tried to do mm-hmm. what he thought was right, and everything just kind of blew up in his face multiple times. Realistically, yeah, <laughs> every time he tries to do something, it it fucks up. That's a good call. Mm-hmm. That's a good call. So, um, let's talk good. about Paula Richter and Thierry. Thierry being George's brother. Mm-hmm. They're part of the Vihan One. Is that how you pronounce his name, Thierry? I had to look it up, yeah, because okay. I was like, it can't be Thierry. Yeah. I was just calling him Terry. Terry? Terry? That's 
I mean, not wrong, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's Terry. Terry. Mon cherry Terry. So the Vihan one was their parents, Anna Marie and Jean. Mm-hmm. And then their uncle, Arnaud. And then George. George was the fourth crew member. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this one mission that Anna Marie must have been cooking up where she's like, Oh, we need to smuggle some of this yeah. stuff for us. We got to get the good yeah. goods. Get yeah. it to the black market. They talk about how it's worth so much more on the black market, which is crazy. And they get the full cut of it. You know? yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, that's because that's the, it's the taxes. Yeah. That's a good call. Um, and so they're like, oh. I think, I think mm-hmm. George plans it without ever really talking to his mother about it. Mm-hmm. Where he fakes mm-hmm. sick, so Thierry will have to step in. And then it's revealed that Thierry and Paula Richter are engaged. Yeah. And they know that she will be one of the escort, you know, enforcers on the mission. So they're like, perfect. She won't shoot at us. You know, yeah. she'll let us go. <laughs> I can imagine um, Anna Marie, like, of like, yeah, she wasn't aware that that's what was going on at first. But I can imagine once she was going to go through the, the plan, she was fully aware. Yeah, no. That well, it was a setup for... For that very reason. You know? I think what it was, was George was like, I'm going to flip this into her vision, make it look like an opportunity for her to try and pull this, and I'm not going to do or say anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like to me, where George was like, I know my mom. I believe that she'll try to take this opportunity if I'm not there. And Thierry's there, because Thierry will be like the key that Richter won't fire on the ship because she doesn't want to kill her he's, love. He's too. essentially a hostage. Yeah. 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 Which is sad. Um, and then they don't really express it, but Anna Marie tries to pull the job mm-hmm. and Richter has to do what she has to do. And there must be a collision. They end up so, crashing. She's like trying to yell it and they end up crashing into so each Terry, other. So um, Terry, Terry tries to grab like the throttle away from his mom, oh, and like he tries to take the over the control of the yeah. ship to make them listen, and then and he so ends up probably like s- goes like. Yeah. So I'd argue it's his Crazy. dumbass fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's she should be mad at her dead fiance. Yeah, that's why she lost her fucking leg. Oh, right, man. Yeah, and so she wakes up in the ICU or whatever, and they're like, "Don't worry, everything's fine. The ship that you were in, you know, pursuit of." Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, everyone had died, and we know that you had a connection with someone on board. But it's just like fuck. Well, they're they're more like, don't worry, we made sure you didn't do anything bad. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're so making not, sure you're not charged. Yeah, yeah you're not getting. A, don't worry, you're not getting arrested. <laughs> Court martial. Yeah. Um, but good good luck. Yeah, that's basically what they said. And so that's why Richter has a hard out for fucking a hard on a hard on yeah. for getting George. Yeah. Got to get the other brother. Or yeah. just at least trying to catch him do anything at this point. Because mm-hmm. George, is, that's his whole thing, is he's just like, I'm just here t- doing my job. Leave me alone, Richter. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's oh, trying like, to pretend like he's... Um, innocent he, of it all. Yeah. yeah, not innocent necessarily, just uh, that he's out of the life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the thing is, is, she still does go out of her way to fuck with him, like doing like security checks and stuff where they like check his entire ship. So they yeah. end up like far behind everybody. Like check it else. multiple yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. Where it like inconveniences them greatly and probably like ruins their load partially and stuff, yeah. you know? So, what yeah. a jerk. I hate when uh, my, my load, load gets, gets ruined. ruined. Yeah. I'm not ruined load in years, though, man. <laughs> but so we get we get the great escape plan which is basically just like when they're not paying attention because everybody's squabbling let's just drive away let's just very casually drive away and so that that led me to another question there's like six or seven ships that end up trying to make a break for it Mm -hmm. with i guess their different body parts and smuggling shit yeah Yeah, smuggling and not necessarily to break out into the big black or whatever they call it the big dark or Mm -hmm. whatever they call it but just to get out of the escort's mm. vision and yeah. shit like that. And I was like, do you think that's a response to Richter not being there and Richter not being such a fucking hard yes, ass? Yes, I, I do think so. Because Richter's, they they talk about how Richter is 
so much more difficult than the other people that she'll just kill you. But they also do yeah, talk about knew. how they were kind of counting on that kind of stuff to occur in order to At get away. Point, they were like that these things are getting worse and worse. Everybody uh, that gets found, they're like in eventually we're gonna have enough going on everywhere else that we can just slip out, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So we need to wait for so many things to be occurring before and then we'll just ditch. Yeah. You know, and then they tried to go to like the furthest part mm-hmm. of the, of body, the body yeah. to get away from everything in the outskirts. They're like, we'll the get the toes, time. guys. We're yeah. down here cutting toenails. <laughs> they said something about the forehead. Yeah. Right? You know, Quint- the Quentin, the the USS Quentin always goes for the toes. Dude, so. No, that's true. <laughs> it's the, yeah. the Tarantino. I heard that um, that's because he just hires a bunch of hobgoblins. Just, he just cut, they just cut the entire foot off, you know, and yeah. just take it in. They're just hauling an entire foot off. <laughs> Yeah. It's not worth anything. <laughs> they just need them. They just they want just, them that bad. They just want them for their giant space sandals. You know? <laughs> Do you think Quentin Tarantino goes down to the Tower of Americas and rubs her toe a lot? <laughs> the, the, you mean the, the Towers of America? <laughs> the, the, the Statue, Statue of Liberty. Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I said Tower of Americas. Oh, it's because I'm from fucking San Antonio. Yeah, what he does is he goes into the Statue of Liberty and they're like, are you going to are, are we going upstairs to Quentin? And he's like, no. He's just, yeah. I'm exactly where I want to be. He's just standing inside the foot, just, how oh, now? He's like, is this in between one of the toes? Just, yeah, mm. just feeling that foot air. You know? He's like, where's the bathroom? <laughs> Not even. He's like, everybody leave. <laughs> he's like, I'm Quentin Tarantino. Everybody get out. Uh, like, Quentin Tarantino's been shooting a movie in the feet of the Statue of Liberty for years. <laughs> Well, let anybody project. in there. Yeah. I think he lives there. <laughs> oh god, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> oh god, shit, my stomach hurts. Dude, he'd love these big fucking <laughs> space <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Because <sighs> that's what I thought was interesting too. Is the only the, all the gods we see up into this in the whole first volume are all women, and they're well, all they're feminine. They're feminine, yeah, or yeah. like mm-hmm. yeah, you know, feminine structure, and look essentially the same besides maybe being kind of like color swaps of like yes. purple and green. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. which yeah was very peculiar, mm-hmm. um, especially because of the big twist ending uh, of this this first book. Um, but we'll talk about that in a minute or two. Let's mm-hmm. take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll finish talking about uh, we only find them when they're dead. <laughs> what a goofy title. <laughs> Wowzers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, guys. My name's Kevin, and I'm the store manager here at Kevin's Kites. We have kites of all kinds here at Kevin's Kites. We have kites that fly real high. We have kites uh, that are blue or red. We have kites in the shape of dragonflies. We have all kinds of kites. You can't touch them. Don't try to touch my kites. They're only for me. You can come in and take a look. You can check them out for free. Um, But don't touch them. They're They're my kites. They... They are not for the pup. They're not for you to touch. So, come on down to Kevin's Kites. It's I'm. It's a real fun time here at Kevin's Kites. Tell them about the Batman. We. That's that's uh, Brian in the back. He likes the Batman kite. Um, we have Batman kite. We have Superman kite. We have Wonder Woman kite. It's it, it's kind of cool. It's translucent. It's like the Invisible Jet. Okay, come down to Kevin's Kites. We're we're only open on Fridays. Except for this Friday. And we're back. Talking about we only find them when they're dead. Where do we get these ads from? The agency that I signed up for to give us ads, they just send us these ads. And I think it's... I don't know. I think it's because I kind of pissed them off. Yeah, I mean they they're gonna give us what we get. You know. I mean, yeah. I mean, where where do you think Kevin's kites is? Because he didn't give us a location. Fuck. He just said to go there. That's a good call. Just not this Friday. Let me Google to see if there's if there's an address for it's Kevin's like Memorial kites. Day or something. Let me see. Kevin's. Everyone kites. knows where Kevin's is, right? It's the Kevin's kites is in. Okay, never mind. <laughs> 
This is just, I don't know what the fuck it is. You can order one of Kevin's kites, apparently. It was like a child's blanket. It's like blanket a blanket or something. Or something. <laughs> I guess there's like a story for it. It's a rug. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh well, well we're back. it's obviously not here. So Let, let's scratch that bit. <laughs> so a big chunk of this, the, this book is basically them just like racing through warp space and like it's yeah. basically the last mm-hmm. jedi plot where it's like once we stop they're gonna catch up to us yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and then we're dead yeah one of the four or five je- last jedi plots yeah <laughs> um and so yeah they the mount or the vihan 2 is racing out of into the big dark mm-hmm. because they're convinced i guess that they're gonna find a live god, or is that serendipitous that they just find a live god? I think it's serendipitous because they mm. literally come out of warp because there's like there's a big Astro- like something, oh. and we can yeah. use its gravitational pull to come out That's and like right. get away from her. And when they come out, it's just coincidentally a god, and they're like, "What else would it have been?" You know? Yeah, yeah it was a god on its journey to, to them. them. So it it's like a god crossing the river Styx because mm-hmm. it's not quite dead yet. But upon first examination, they're like, oh, what else could it be but a dead god? Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's even bigger than they typically are. Yeah. It's kind of hinting that maybe as they come through space, they're shrinking down, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but they stop, and so does Richter. And they're, you know, arguing on their comms. Mm-hmm. She's and, like, I'm gonna kill you, and they're like, "No, yeah, no." <laughs> and this is the first time where it it really shows you, like, "Hey, anything is gonna happen now." Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, Richter shoots and kills Alice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which um, before that they had released their cargo, damaging Richter's. That's right. Engine. Their meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The meat went into the engine, and so <laughs> <The> God meat. <laughs> Richter having a spacesuit on opened up. Her, That's her right. ship yeah. and shot with her her rifle. Um, it's beautifully illustrated. Mm-hmm. It looks so sick. It looks dope. I love Alice and Richter, how mm-hmm. they're both designed. I'm very sad to see Alice die, especially because it seemed like this book was promising some, something else. Mm-hmm. And out of her, too. I feel yeah. like we didn't get enough of her. Like, it was like hints of her being important, and then she just ended up dying, which I guess was her importance in that yeah. sense. But at the same time, it was a bummer to see her character go before we had more, mm-hmm. like, maybe some development of who she was, even to George, knowing yeah. that she's obviously been this, like, lifelong friend to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I expect, I definitely as well expected her to be more than just a martyr. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, and then uh, what what happens? Oh, her body's floating out towards the god, and then the god wakes up? They cut its face. They're like in a fighting with Richter. Uh-huh. I forget how they do, but they end up cutting its face a little bit with their plasma scalpel. No, and that's, that's not what causes until... it to wake up, see? Yeah. No, because they end up... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah they're and chasing... that's before she even dies. But that's yeah. after Georges leaves the Vihan to go grab Alice's body. And so... Th- fucking Richter's chasing after George is just floating out in space body and so v- the Vihan uses the plasma cutter they cut some of the armor waking the, mm-hmm. the god up mm-hmm. yeah and they're like oh my god it's alive and so George is like okay fuck it I'm going to the god I'm gonna go get ate by the god yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly so he takes uh, Alice's, Alice's body and just yeah. starts beelining up its arm towards its mouth yeah so essentially the god it looks like the god's eyes and mouth, or while it's alive, might be a portal to their other realm. Yeah. Right? It, you know, we don't know. We never really get any like, answers to any of It this doesn't shit. really say How? where he goes. That's right. It just He just shows up. That's you know? right. That is true. I think maybe he just was boarded on the dead god body whenever... Because there's a ceremony mm-hmm. where you see a bunch of gods holding the mm-hmm. dead god. Like, sorry, this one got away. Let's take it back. Oh, I thought they were just releasing the next body. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I was, and I kind of got that too. That it was really just the next funeral, right? You know, the next body being passed into our universe. You know, that's interesting. But yeah, so the Vihan ends up killing the god, mm-hmm. which is like battling right. with Richter. They end up slicing its throat with George just screaming, "Just kill it!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, because basically they do the plasma blade to try to. Cut through Richter's ship, ship which mm-hmm. they do do, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah they, they destroy cut it. through her wing and destroy it, and then cut the throat. At the oh, same time. you know what? And and then doesn't um, 
Richter get out and she's yeah. about to kill And so they're on the, go- the dead god together. That's what happens. They're yeah. arguing. Her and Malik are arguing. And that's where we finally get the full story of like what happened between them and right. Tiri and the family. And she's like, you're just a bunch of shitheads and your brother was the only good one of any of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we get the whole backstory. And then... And then we get one of the most disappointing parts in the whole I book. agree. Where... You think this this feud between George and Richter is going to be the entire book? Yeah, I was hoping that George and Richter were now going to have to go we out into together. the expanse and discover all this shit together, being mortal enemies. Like she was gonna. Why well, I, I expected her to let go and just and be be like, I don't know, there's nothing left, and him convince her like, just come with me or something. Yes. Yeah. that's what I expected. I wanted that so bad. But and, you know what? It's been 30 years. I'm like in my 50s now. I've like learned to cope up. with this reality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and on top of that, you're hot. I'm hot. Let's, Let's just, just be fun. together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Richter looks fucking badass. Yeah. I know. Like that, um, I, was, I was looking up the variant covers, uh-huh. and yeah. there's that one just of her face. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it Sick. looks dope. Um, Obviously, George ain't into it, though. Yeah. yeah so. That's true. <laughs> we don't know which We don't know if he bends both ways, but yeah. Um, but then there's the throwaway line at the beginning. It's almost Chekhov's tiny meteor <laughs> at the beginning of the yeah. book. I like how we do that. It's every, <laughs> almost every comic book, almost every movie. Yeah. Chekhov's asteroid. <laughs> yeah. Chekhov's around. He's yeah. Like, hey. That bastard, man. Yeah. I think he flicked it from Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Chekhov's one of the gods. Yeah. But yeah. in reality, it's interesting to see how much that rule of storytelling does show up yeah. so much mm-hmm. in these things. And we I think it's satisfying it and yeah. good. Absolutely. I think it's, it's the it's, correct way to do it. Exactly. My point being is it's like proper good storytelling. It's almost like a rule to have in there. Yeah. Something but you must have. They, they have a throwaway line seemingly at first that the smaller meteors are the scariest because they go at faster speeds and because of that they can pierce. Like they have, bullets, yeah. Yeah, they're like speeding bullets. And by chance... Richter is struck by one through her head, um, killing her. Conveniently. And so <laughs> two of the coolest characters, Alice and Richter, dead on top of this newly dead god with George. That's how book end, book one kind of Essentially comes ends. to its end. With the Vihan leaving with both the Howard siblings. Because also on top of this, they have footage of a live mm-hmm, god. Mm-hmm. True. They have the god waking up. If footage. But they're but, not content with that because he still just goes even deeper into the dark. You know, that's where we see. Yeah, Matt but, gets but, into the ship, right? Yeah. yeah. Jason Howard, at least, is like, we're going to be rich. Yeah. We're going to be set up for life. We have sure. this footage. We're good. <laughs> and Ellie's like, you're fucking dumb. Dingus. <laughs> Dingus, like, man. We're, yeah. we're fucked. We're never even going to see each other yeah. again. <laughs> Your boyfriend's ruined our lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last page, or one of the last pages is, yeah, the funeral, it seems, of a new god coming into our universe. Yeah, like this one, It's he's got his arms, the god's got his arms crossed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like floating through, it looks like, into a portal. They look sick. They, they do look yeah. sick. And do they you, all do look feminine, yeah. which and uh, very similar. You they know? look feminine, but we're never told any of the genders yeah. of them. So for all we know, they could be genderless. Yes, or they could be both. Yeah, you know. I, I would think that in a giant cosmic story like this, the gods are only called gods, and so they would be asexual yeah. genderless things. Yeah, right. That's what I. That's how I was imagining them. Yeah, you know, and they just. Have like just this figure, yeah. You know, Bar- Barbie body, yeah, Barbie body. <laughs> I mean, no, not they no. don't have Barbie body, but <laughs> right. Their, their everybody armor... has nipples. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. their armor True. is cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we see this one shot of of them, like I guess, handing off the god into the big expanse to die. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's like a ceremony? Where they, it's almost honorable to be then pushed off into the other side, because they're not completely dead, as we know. They're we just saw a waking god. What do you think that's all about? See, I don't know if we'll ever get any answers to any of that in this book, because I don't think that's what Al Ewing gives a shit to tell in the story. Mm-hmm. I think it's Fair much enough. more about once again the human response to 
giant gods and yeah. whatever the fuck they're up to in a way that's so un- incomprehensible to us it's like what do birds think of our funeral rites when they see us putting a body in the ground you know it's like what are they sitting around thinking about like what the fuck are these people up to? Like, what the fuck <laughs> are I, can, doing? I could eat that yeah exactly <laughs> The worms are like, why are they putting this thick ass box? <laughs> I know the, the worms are like, the worms are the fucking <laughs> autopsy ships. Yeah. They're like, I need to get in there, buddy. What are you doing? Um, I, I think that the gods coming to the universe would eventually break down, and then those whatever they break down into would become resources to seed life in this universe. And I, that's what I was. But that, yeah, that would be just a like theory. a theory, you yeah. know. Uh, like he was saying, I don't think Al Ewing's gonna go too deep on that, or maybe he will. You I never hope, know. I hope he. Will. Um, I guess my point being is, I don't yeah. think that's, or from what I now believe, I don't think that's the point. You know, what I mean, I think yeah. those those ideas are meant to be Absolutely. out of our reach. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's stuff that we as humans can't even comprehend or mm-hmm. understand the rituals of these giant space cosmic gods. You know, we will never know why they're doing the things they're doing. Well. The ending of this book, book one, it shows time has passed. It's getting harder and harder for these autopsy mm-hmm. ships to find more and more gods. And one comes through the portal, and it is very obviously George yeah. as a god. And you can hear the bells. Yes. Right, something we didn't talk about before, that whenever these gods show up, a bell rings eight times. Yep. Eight bells. <laughs> That and then George shows up. <laughs> Eight boings time to join. <laughs> Eight boings time to join. Um, yeah, and so George is here. He has his eye patch and everything. He screams, and this is the first god in like a long time. Mm-hmm. And so all these autopsy ships are like, "What the fuck do we do? Is this like mayhem? Do we go and start mining?" Um, and some of them are like, "Holy shit! He screamed." The god came through and it screamed. Yeah, like we've only seen them dead. Yeah. But this one was very much clearly alive yeah. when he came through. That's the reason volume two should have been called, Hey, we found one when it was alive. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I believe it's the beginning of chapter six where you it has a completely different crew. crew. Yeah. And they're talking about um, like, oh, doesn't he look like the, the guy the from the Malik mm-hmm. flight? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we see years pass and book two starts like fucking 60 years later or some mm-hmm. shit like that. Right. I didn't do the math. Um, and now there's this place called Malik's Flight. And it's where people go to worship. it was worship. 40 years. Mm-hmm. It, may, it could be yeah. 40 years. Um, it's where people go to worship. They've built George's like body. a civilization around his body, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And so... This lends the idea to me that each of these books is going to be completely different from the previous. Right. And I have to believe that because Georges did go to the other side, to the God realm, and then come back to die, that we will see that. That we'll see his transformation into a God, however... And you do believe it is him because, I mean, not to just jump into the second volume too much, but we do get that line from Elder Jason who has become, the, you know, uh, mm. the chosen one where he says that isn't George Malik. It never was. You know, he does say that about the God. I think it's it's like saying Dr. Manhattan's no longer John. You think so? Yeah. Fair enough. I think that that's what his thought mm-hmm. process was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, oh. we're, we're introduced to all new characters in book mm. two. What were you going to say? I was going to say, speaking of Jason, there's one part where he says these past 20 years were better than the last 20. Good call. So I that I, I do think it was 40 because he was in prison for 20 years. Glad we and hammered then, that one out. Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry. I'm, I've heard of it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Back in the 1950s or something. <laughs> um. Um, but yeah, so yeah, 40 years past, we're introduced to Marilyn Chen. Marilyn Chen is an ambassador of some sort she's trying to like have communication with malik's flight which is at the rim of society while there's all that inner galaxy shit happening and that's where she's from Mm -hmm. were you gonna say something Mm -mm. okay i'm gonna send you i'm just gonna like hammer this up yeah no the second volume i want to just kind of jump through a little bit because it really was basically just like heavy politics of like now we have this guy he's created two different religions 
based on him, which is the ones that believe that he was a chosen person destined to become this and the religion where it's like every everybody's destined to become this he was oh. the first of us and now we all are meant to go on this pilgrimage to become these things you know and those are like the conflicting religions well because spawned yeah. from him you know? well because love good arbogast who these fucking names i too. know dude i love him i'm Do not you really lie. yes love good is he says we've sent tons of people out there no one's come back mm-hmm. and so that leads me to believe that somehow george is special Mm -hmm. you know because this is this is yeah you were saying 40 years later and george was only there for like seven years ish i didn't do the math on that one either but he came back and he was a fucking god you know what i mean um but marilyn shen goes and it turns out that there's this huge conspiracy where marilyn shen is trying to get that god trying to get malik's body yeah body theft (laughs) yeah and they have s- planted two operatives there. One more recently being Naomi Geller. And she's just like the watchdog, just kind of watching Marilyn Chen. Mm-hmm. She's her like navigational person or whatever. But then there's also Ondine Petrikov. Mm-hmm. Which was, wasn't it one day? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's been there for 11 years. At the at Malik's flight. Yeah, Malik's flight. Malik's flight being this huge now city of I think they said four thousand people mm-hmm. or something like that, and they have this temple that is. I think it was fourteen thousand. Fourteen thousand. Okay, and that there is there this temple is built all around Malik's body. So they have the temple at Malik's flight. Mm-hmm. It's basically mm-hmm. just a civilization yeah, that yeah. orbits his body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think it's just people that worship him? Is that what you kind of? No, because obviously we're introduced to Honorim mm-hmm. Bristow, who is... I guess just like head of security. No, he's not even, because that's what Lovegood is. No, Lovegood is just the like their ambassador. He is the head of security after he kills the head of security. Yeah, I guess that's true. So yeah, we're introduced to him, and all he cares about is getting power. And so it becomes this whole thing of like double cross and then triple cross and all this shit where it's like everything's hitting the fan, and it's a... It's a lot to read. There's a lot of dialogue, a lot of new characters introduced, and I don't feel like there's enough real estate for it to all happen in. I agree. You, you had a harder time getting through this part. I had definitely had a harder time getting through volume two or even, like, and I think it, part of the problem was the way I maybe was putting it down and picking it back up again. I didn't read it like yeah, in you, one sitting and mm. that probably worked very hard against me trying to get through the information because exactly we get introduced to all these characters essentially in one issue like rapid fire and they have crazy ass names like honor him, you know, yeah. like, um, and one grief i would have against simone de Mayo's art of just a little bit is that i feel like some characters are just drawn like a little too much alike a lot of his the the facial designs Dude, are very yes. very similar yeah. and so like and then but and then the way the panels are cut you're not even getting the parts of their bodies that look different from each other like their hair or you know like so, yeah. so it's at times i really had to be like who the fuck am i even looking at right now oh, and like talking? yeah who's talking and it was it became a little yeah convoluted on even understanding why these people were betraying each other at times you know and like yeah. i did get through it and understand the story as a full arc but it just exactly was very much more like political and like conspiracy like kind of shit much more than i expected you know so that's actually the kind of stuff i really enjoy and i, I think was, that's why i was, I was worried about you getting really into i was worried it. about you um the only real problem i had which is something i mentioned earlier was um and you kind of touched on right now is mm-hmm. just having trouble figuring out who's talking mm-hmm. yes during the conversations yeah. and uh, yes a lot of them not only do a lot of them look a lot alike but there's a lot of text bubbles in random fucking places mm-hmm. and just the uh the text without any um bubbles that are also in the corners that sometimes i completely fucking miss them yeah and have to go back and read them um which that could just be like an organizational issue yeah you know more than anything i don't really blame them too much for that i don't believe it's the artworks i mean and and the time hopping is equally as unforgiving in the sense that it can be 11 years and a character will look exactly the same they'll be dressed exactly the same they were 11 years prior there's nothing different about their character design i think that that year's difference counteracts what you were just saying though because you were like i want them to be consistent 
in one design so you can keep track of that one design but i'm well, i guess what i mean in that is it's like it jumps from year different years yeah. oh, constantly that's and so it's like i you're not even sure what year you're in at times because they look exactly the same when they did yeah. 10 years prior mm-hmm. it's like you know give them a different hair design for the 10 you know i mean exactly yeah. keep them consistent and different in their time periods but yeah. also make them look different in different time periods to help us as a, you know or paint them in different colors you know if I it's going to be flashbacks the, were white and red. some of them were yeah some of them but that well, there's like three oh, different time periods to flashback to it's not even like some of them just, are like gold yeah <laughs> well i'm gonna i'm gonna be play devil's advocate here oh. and i'm gonna say they travel at warp speed a lot so they the 10 years to everybody else is more oh. like a three or four years to them maybe at the most i'll say five years do they talk yeah. about that though because they say that they're traveling at the speed of light but i mean she talks about at having been point. stationed there for 11 years i don't True. think it's her being like exactly. oh but it's been like six months to me you know yeah. <laughs> so i can perfectly explain all these characters mm-hmm. what their, their motives do you need me to no no <laughs> that's not my more my point <laughs> do, I, you, do you get it yeah i do get it okay. it's just was much more of me having to like, okay, I need to stop and actually get Process. what I'm reading, you mm-hmm. know, like, yeah, no, I actually, I really enjoy the political side of it though. I, and that's actually one of the reasons why I like the first three and not the first three, but the second three star Wars, the second star Wars trilogy, one, two, and three, especially oh. Phantom Menace, because it's very political. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. three are the most political out of all of them. I think the I second like. one is the most political. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I fucking love it. Like I watched it again as an adult, recently and i want to i just got so into it because of the politics behind it you know yeah so uh, i love this kind of thing especially it's space politics it it is it's space politics it's Um, politics on on like what should we do with this god body yeah (laughs) but it's like obviously this place was meant for something else Mm-hmm. At one point, what when place? Uh, Malik's uh, flight. It was originally uh, a mining. They were mining it, and then it got overran by the worshippers. Yes, the heretics. Yes, so the killers. There's, there's still stuff from when it was first found. Yes, like the engines and the warp drives. That well, are there. so they secretly. I think that was like a like um, no, like well, the Death Star, wasn't it? Where it's no, like I built a thing in there that if you shoot right down in there it works i think that that's what they were talking about right no because she says that uh it was it was originally planned to like move his body closer to to civilization okay because it just made more sense everyone just kind of forgets the worshippers kind of took took over over and then it just never happened yeah and so so they they've just those uh have just laid dormant for like 20 fucking years yeah so marilyn chen is on the mission to infiltrate malik's flight Right. Steal the body back. Steal that god bod. Mm-hmm. They, there's conflicting ideas on what they're going to do with the body. Mm-hmm. Some believe that it's just for the rich and powerful to die. Eat. On, yeah. <laughs> to consume its its precious materials. Others believe it's because they want to hoard it or, oh, no, 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 AI. Mm-hmm. We're introduced right. to Ryland, a guy, and he wants to take one of the resources, I forget which one they say, I think it's heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's able to produce like the most sophisticated AI. Interesting. Yeah. It's, that's... Got, it's got goobonium in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's got that yes. good goop that allows you to, yeah. to build shit. Yeah. And so they're not sure exactly why. Yeah. But Marilyn Chen goes there to do that. Naomi Geller is the one that's kind of facilitating her arrival. Yeah. And then we're introduced to Lovegood Arbogast, who is just a worship there, and and he's like one of the head guys. He's like the ambassador to welcome them and be like, yeah, I'll give you a tour of the big boy. And then Harun Bristow is like, I don't trust these fucking people. Something's going on. Get off my Mm -hmm. man. And then we find out that that's even a play because he knows that he shouldn't trust these people because him and Ondine are on one day, one day have a secret like annihilate or uh, what is it called? Alliance. Mm Mm-hmm. together the double crossing the the uh which is incredible double agents in the yes. story yeah because undyne is like a triple agent mm-hmm. while bristow is a double agent but also sort of the one agent yeah because <laughs> really just working for himself like you said earlier. his whole mm-hmm. thing is i have to pretend to worship malik the mm-hmm. way everyone else does because i want to grow in the ranks i want to be in charge and I'll be set up for life. Yeah. I'll have this job until the day He's I like, die. He's like, I'll be king of the warshippers. I don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Well, one day is like, I'm here to help the in, inner, I forget what they call them, but the inner colonies yeah, steal Malik's is. body. But I believe in Malik. I am, I am a devout yeah. worshiper. And I will kill anyone that gets in my way about that. And so she is pretending to be with Marilyn Chen to help her get closer to facilitating stealing the body. And when they do, she betrays Marilyn Chen, cutting her throat. And all while this is happening, Jason is there. Jason Hauer. Who has become the chosen. Yeah. Yes. Because he, he knew Malik. And he was imprisoned for 20 years, like Paul Damon was saying. And then for the next 20 years, he had to pretend to believe in what Malik has done. Yeah. Georges. It's so crazy how the beginning of the book, it's Georges, Georges, Georges. And book two, he's a different thing. They he's call him Malik. Malik. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. The way they, they paint history in only a matter of 40 or so years, yeah. you know? And so Jason pretends to have to be this devout, like, priest of malik and he Mm -hmm. has to watch these people like throw their lives into this religion that he doesn't believe in just so he isn't sacrificed so he's set up for life essentially yeah Yeah, just because he doesn't want to die exactly and so he's with them when they facilitate the whole thievery and so they take the body they actually get it out of here dude grand theft god bod (laughs) gtgb and naomi geller is like i kind of believe in this shit a little bit. Mm-hmm. She's not devout like one day. She's like, but it really does look like the guy. It's yeah. pretty trippy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that'd be me. <laughs> and Jason's like, are you guys kidding me? This is just a dude. This is just a dude that happened to get lucky. That's all that happened. Um, He's like, trust me, if you were there, it was not that exciting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what ends up happening is Honorim does kill Lovegood Ar- Arbogast. Mm-hmm. He becomes the new King Honcho. He mm-hmm. is telling all of the followers that it doesn't matter if Malik's body is here or not. He's in our hearts. He's in our hearts. <laughs> Furthering the worship. Because he doesn't give a fucking yeah. shit. Yeah. He's like, I, I got to keep the peace. I got to keep my society together. Yeah. He's like, we don't need him. <laughs> yeah. And so he believes that one day is going to bring the ba- body, body back. back. <laughs> but what happens is one day when killing, Ni- killing Marilyn mm-hmm. throws a knife into Naomi and she's like, don't pull that knife out. You're, You're going to bleed, bleed to, death. to death. And so what Jason does is he pulls the knife out and cuts one day's throat. And is like, you guys are going to fucking listen to me now. And so I think he patches up Naomi. Mm-hmm. And now they're out in Malik's body fucking going who knows where. But they must have ended up going to the inner colonies. Because the big cliffhanger at the end of book two is that Jason is now old. Mm-hmm. Like this 80s. is the big cl- cliffhanger of volume two. I'm going to tell you right now. Is that okay? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I should have pulled the pull out and, book. And Jason is eighty something years old, and they wake him up. He's he's got the the hose in his nose because the hose in his nose. He's, he's having trouble breathing. Those hose nose for shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're wa- they wake him up and they're like, "Hey, we have a new visitor who's online," and it's. And so he's like, hi, uh, do you know your name or whatever? And he's like, uh, Tyree 9. Dang. Okay. He made Brother Malik. And so that must mean that Ryland, who is the, I don't know, the chief of state or whatever mm-hmm. in the inner colonies, got the body, got the resources he needed to make the AI that he wanted. And so, so the first book is all about how, what are these gods? Yeah. What are we going to do with these gods? Mm-hmm. Why can't we find them when they're alive? The second book is God thievery. Yeah. And the inner cogs that need to make this happen in order to get this God stolen with a lot of political machinations. And then it seems like book three is going to be all about AI and how we get it from a God and how it interacts with humanity and I have to believe it being based on Tyrion, being based on Malik's brother, it's going to have something to do with their or, origin. Like, or, like, or like accessing Ooh. his body or memories in uh, the god to try to understand better on what happened to him. Because I feel like that was another big question that came out of volume two is how yeah. did this happen? How, what 
happened in those years that Malik was gone that made him go from A to B, you know? Yeah. But why Terry nine? Why Terry? Why (laughs) base it off of Terry? I don't know. Because it's a connection to Malik. I'm assuming that maybe being based on his brother, it'll like create like an emotional connection to the God bod, you know? Like maybe. What if they can't reproduce George because in the God realm, he left behind his body to be fed as a resource and became something even more transcendent. And so that's why they can't grasp at that kind of, I don't know, id or or personality or whatever. And so they're like, well, we can use his DNA to retroactively create his, I guess, his relatives. And so that's why we have Tyri 9. See, this is where I think the story is just But so Tyri 9's an android. True. Yes. That's where I really think the story is so crazy. Is I feel like the scope of the story is ginormous. I mean, there's just so much that could be done with it, or like the ideas, the ology behind all of it is so vast, and yet the focus is so pinpoint on like the people that are like immediately surrounding these situations and their actual struggles in it versus like being about the grander scheme, you know? Yeah. And I think that's really interesting, and I'm sure it's going to go more into that in the third volume based on this Tyri 9 android, you know? Yeah. It's as much wild. as I want the big answers to get resolved. I don't think we're ever going to get them in the storyline. I think the little answers are the are the important thing that Al Ewing actually wants to tell. What I think kind of bums me out about this book is that it is vast and huge, and I'm worried it doesn't have the following to support him doing this for much, much longer. Yeah, mm-hmm. because this feels like something that wants to be as grand as Saga. It doesn't quite have the following that Saga has. And then it's not, it's kind of dry compared to Saga. Absolutely. Where this is all machinations and, and these, these people playing each other. There's no humor in these books. Yeah. I can't even think of a single moment where anybody made a joke in this entire (laughs) storyline. And the thing that's appealing about Saga is it's, crazy and yeah. it can be anything and it's like bubblegum on one page and death on the next yeah. you know you get seahorse people and yeah and just horrible yeah, character deaths <laughs> so it's it's interesting that i i believe in al ewing because every book i've ever read he's a master um but i'm i'm worried that wherever he's building it's only getting vaster and vaster, and, mm-hmm. and I don't. I'm afraid it's not going to get to where he wants it to go. This book mm-hmm. feels right. like a story written for storytellers, you know, yeah. like a novel written for novelists or something. You know, it's like that next level of like sophisticated and like yeah. deep in the way that in the story that it's trying to tell. That is like almost when Al Ewing was writing, he's like, "This isn't for the little people." You know? <laughs> he's like, "This is my." <laughs> This is my deep one, you yeah. know, and so I kind of see it as that. And I have to believe it has a cult following who wanted something like this, True. you know, people who wanted something heavier coming out of the comic book world. And that. that this is definitely that, you know what I mean? This is, I would no 13 year old could ever read this book and enjoy it. I don't, I don't think so personally. It's They'd may, have to be like a maybe, super genius. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the kids who watch like Dateline and shit, you know, like maybe (laughs) or like 60 seconds or 60 minutes. Paul, I mean, now that you know the ending of Gone in 60 Seconds, Gone in 60 Minutes. Yeah, 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 I know that. I'm I'm from the 1950s. I'm aware aware of it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Paul, I mean, now that you know the ending of book two, do you how do you feel about this story? Um, I still I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, But the, the only thing that doesn't make sense to me is the Terry and. Is it yeah, being why based off of Terry. Terry? Because like, whether they get DNA from him or not or anything, like Raylan, Rylan would have to have known about Malik's family in the past. Yeah. And so that's the only thing that bugs me. But I mean, obviously, that's something that might be brought in. Oh, I'm in sure they're the fucking. Three. I'm sure they're the fucking Wayland Corporation, bro. I bet they have information <laughs> on fucking everything. You know. I you mean, know, they DNA were always. You know, there were always escorts around monitoring everything they did so that's a good call they have mm-hmm. every log when they're on that ship except for whenever they're traveling in hyperspeed i'm sure you had to be licensed in some kind to even be out there doing it in the first place i know the tropius are popping up dude tropius tropius pokemon my first tropius pokemon. oh you don't have a tropius i do now bitch oh. Dang. how long have they been in the game um for a long time but you could only get them in like specific countries it's like regional oh, regional okay. pokemon yeah. i will see you 
Sorry. Uh, let me press a better button. Gorlami. Anyway. Yeah. Any so, reason. Uh, the fact that it's uh, teary, I believe that we're going to have to get more flashback. Because that's another mm-hmm. thing that this book does a lot, is it flashbacks and it flashbacks hard. And I kind of... Constantly. I kind of love it. I'll Do flashback you? Yeah. hard, you know what I'm saying? The storytelling is... <laughs> the storytelling is unforgiving. Mm-hmm. You have to really get into it. But I think once you're baked in and once you follow the twists and turns, I think you can learn to love it. Because yesterday, when I was I reading so. book two, I I was having a rough time, man. I think it was issue eight um, or nine. And it wasn't until I was reaching the end of issue nine and going into ten that I was like, actually, I think I love this. Yeah. It was the exact same way. I mean, that's a perfect way to describe it, which is that somewhere in the middle of volume two, I was like, what the fuck? You know? (laughs) 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 And then once it was all resolved, I was like, okay, we finally got there, you know, but like, holy shit, you know, like what a ride to fucking finally reach this point, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Next week. Um, Do you know what we're doing? Yes. Uh, So actually, we can talk about it on the podcast. What I want to do, I recently found it and I got it, so I want to do it, is Avengers No Surrender. No, that's right. We had talked about this. Interesting. And so, Paul Damien, this is not going to be as dense as the book we just read, but it is 16 issues. It has no surrender. Okay. 16 issues. Um, and it, I love this book. Well, I have no issues with reading it. Good. We'll let me see. Let me read off the cur- creators for you. I know the writers off the top of my head, and I know Paco Medina is one of the r- artists, but it's written by Mark Wade, Al Ooh. Ewing, Jim Zub, mm. Pepe Larraz, uh, Kim Jacinto, and Paco Medina. So three writers, three artists, 16 issues. Fun, fun, fun. I love this book. I can't wait for you guys to read it. I'm excited. So that's what we'll be doing next week. Uh, come back next week to check that out. Um, follow us on Instagram. That's going to be in the show notes below. Rate and review us on wherever you guys get podcasts. Wherever the fuck you can. I've noticed that most of our listenership has transported to Spotify. We have Spotify at 60% now, Way which is fucking sick. Because uh, we're we do this through Anchor, and Anchor is a Spotify. Uh, Spotify, you're Spotify. Thank Go you for being there. Man. Yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fucking good. Right. <laughs> All right. good. Well, next week, yeah, there will be no surrender. Uh oh, Avengers. Uh oh. So we will see y'all then. We will see y'all in another time. Bye guys. Bye guys. Great job. You guys should go home. Hungry, daddy. Hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Mm. I'm a little hungry. <laughs> Bye, guys.